You are listening to a sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Galatians 5, again, we're in the works of the flesh. Galatians 5, beginning in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so there's no law against these uh, great and helpful things. And what we find is, even though we're not under the law of Moses, these things are still wrong and they're still the works of the flesh. And we who live by faith should not live by the flesh. I think many of the Jews would have thought, if you tell people they're not under the law, if you don't have to follow the Ten Commandments anymore as such, then, well, why can't we take God's name in vain? Uh, Why can't we uh, profane uh, his Sabbath? Why can't we murder? Why can't we steal? Uh, Why can't we covet? Why can't we commit adultery? Uh, Because we're not under the law, and the law says not to do that. Well, it's not just the law that constrains us, but our faith in the gospel that constrains us, and that which the gospel teaches. So we have these works of the flesh to deny. We need to deny these things because they're not of faith. They're not of God. So we had the things of sexual self-control, people who were immoral, impure, and and sensual. We had the things of false religion, uh, the idolatry, and the sorcery, the using drugs and substances uh, in order to uh, influence the world and get your will in it instead of faith. Uh, Then last time, the sins of bad temper, uh, where just a a selfish uh, anger took over, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger. And now these bad interactions, these bad relationships, tonight's study, disputes, dissensions, factions, and envying. And then lastly, uh, we'll have, Lord willing, next time, a study of these last two drunkenness and carousing and the like, these uh, misuse of substances, alcohol in particular, and other things that disqualifies from the kingdom. And then, Lord willing, in our lives and in our study, we move on to replace all that, things of the flesh, by things that the Spirit gives, that the Spirit produces within us, right? By your fruits, they will know you, Jesus said. Well, what is the fruit? What is the production in our life from the Spirit? Should be Inward attitudes, love, joy, peace, should be outward displays, patience, kindness, and goodness. And there should be other goods as well that follow, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the Spirit will produce in us these things. So tonight we turn to our bad relationships or our bad interactions, 
that we're to greatly avoid. So uh, first off, we have disputes. It shouldn't be named among Christians that uh, they can't get along, but it also shouldn't be named among Christians in the book of James uh, that people produce from the same mouth both blessing and cursing. Shouldn't be that way, but it is. And so we have this war within us where we have to overcome these, these bad habits and we have to be led by the Spirit instead of led in the flesh. So we have first disputes. The King James gives us the word strife. So not not uh, disputing and not uh, striving. Uh, th- this word, I uh, won't give you the Greek word, doesn't really matter, uh, the exact word and pronunciation. But the Greek word behind this was used in classical Greek. Now, we're using Koine Greek in the Bible. But in classical Greek, this was the word used for a person who was running for office and would use uh, cheap tricks to get elected. They'd cause strife. They'd cause controversy. Uh, they'd cause, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, idea of putting themselves forward at the direct expense of somebody else. And so a uh, partisan spirit, uh, self-seeking ambition, uh, rivalries, and, and just doing things for the sake of gain, just directly. I'm, I'm doing this to harm you to promote myself, uh, which is, well, that partisan politics often right there and far too often right there. And so all of that action and all the, the kind of controversy and quarreling that it produced, these are the divisions, the disputes and striving that uh, should not be found among Christians and definitely shouldn't be found in the family of Christians and be found in the local church. But of course, what do we know in the local church? Sometimes there's the worst and nakedest kind of politicking. There have been uh, terrible underhanded things to promote uh, a person or a position or the like. And even back in the New Testament days, uh, they're told, knock this stuff off. In the Proverbs, there was this. It says, keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but any fool can quarrel. Anybody can fight. Anybody can quarrel. Anybody can get involved in this. And actually, it doesn't have that high a qualification. Anybody can do it. Again, will you reference the idea of politics? Have you seen some of the fools that run? I mean, you think, well, wasn't there some kind of qualification test? Yeah, naked ambition. That was that seems to be the test. And that's why some of these guys are running for office and then uh, running in office and then, uh, you know, running away from the responsibilities of office. But any fool can quarrel. And we've seen that. And so in the church, you know, sometimes people act like any fool and they do it. Uh, sometimes they do it to uh, promote a partisan position of the type of which We've just discussed sometimes it's to promote a uh, heretical doctrine. Uh, sometimes we, it's like, well, what are they doing? What is the outcome of this if they get their way? This person's fighting about this all the time, but what, what, would, what, would, what would they get if they got it? Sometimes it's almost impossible to tell. But as I say, sometimes it's to advance bad doctrine. Sometimes it's a party spirit. Here's a reading to, from Paul to Timothy that would seem to cover them both. It says, if anyone, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 3, If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, but is conceited and understands nothing, but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes, or the King James will say wrangling, about words, out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction 
between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of great gain. <laughs> Stay away from these guys and don't be one of them. But, but notice these guys always in controversies about uh, various questions and about disputes about various words. What are they? They're contrary to the gospel. They're contrary to sound doctrine. They're contrary to a godly life. These things do not produce godliness. They produce envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions. Sounds a lot like the list of things we're studying here. And people who think that godliness is a means of gain, not of spiritual gain, but of some kind of, of uh, a worldly gain, of popularity or of uh, possession, uh, going to fleece the flock or uh, enjoy being the leaders of the flock for leadership's sake. Uh, Diotrephes, 3 John. In 3 John, Diotrephes loved to be first among the brethren. What did he do? He troubled the brethren. He caused uh, fights with the brethren. He put brethren out of the church who the apostles regarded as faithful. And so Diotrephes was a man like this in the church, uh, the Corinthian church, with their various factions and disputes. And I'm a Paul, I'm a Peter, I'm a Cephas. Now, whether they, they actually said that they were of those or Paul was just giving that as silly examples. We're not sure, but they divided up into factions, and they had disputed with each other. So the problem with these factions, this kind of thing, it's carnal-minded in itself, it has carnal aims behind it, and it has carnal or fleshly results. And so it is not the fruit, the the produce of the Spirit. Instead, Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. So you can do everything without grumbling or disputing. You're supposed to. No grumbling, no disputing. If you're grumbling or disputing, you're already on the wrong side. But that you may play, that you may prove, this is Philippians 2, 14, 15, that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God and above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world. So be a light in the world. Be the salt and the light of Christ. Do it all all without disputes or grumblings. And again, Paul said, 2 Timothy 2.14, uh, he said, do, do all these things uh, without wrangling, without fighting about words. So 1 Timothy, it is, uh, don't be involved in morbid and uh, controversial questions, disputes about words. And in 2 Timothy, he writes Timothy again. He writes him again, remind everybody of these things, solemnly charge them, in the presence of God, to not wrangle about words, which are useless and lead to the ruin of the hearer. So, useless and ruinous. That's what disputes about words are. I don't know that disputes about other things are any more profitable, are they? So, disputes are ruinous, and they are destructive. They are useless. Now, our next word is dissension. Dissension. And so uh, King James gives us another old word, gives us the word sedition, gives us the word sedition. We don't use the word sedition all that much anymore. Uh, actually, though, in the latest uh, political controversies uh, that had to do with the changeover of presidents, uh, there are people who say some of those people were guilty of sedition. Uh, so we, we have it very little in our legal uh, uh, categories, uh, mainly from very old laws. But don't use it too much, sedition, uh, in other other uh, aspects of life. But the root of it is a division, meaning to stand apart. It is the kind of things that leads 
to factions, which, by the way, is the next word. Uh, the, the King James will have the word heresy. Uh, so a division is when people start to stand apart. And so when we start taking sides and being uh, intentionally apart uh, from one another, intentionally outside of authority, intentionally outside of relationship, intentionally outside, standing apart from the other fellow, making a point to not be with him, uh, especially who's a brother in Christ. That is this word, dissension, or the old King James, faction or sedition. So Romans uh, 16, brethren, I urge you, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching that you learned. So the teaching is against dissensions, is against hindrances directly, but particularly against those things that would cause those. If these are contrary to the teaching that you've learned, turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of the Lord Christ, but of their own appetite. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. And so here is a little bit of an ironic thing. They're causing people to stand apart. And so what's one of the solutions with that? Keep your eye on them and don't be with them. So once they want to stand apart, once they want to divide uh, you know, the uh, people uh, one from another, you divide from them. Now we think, well, isn't that a little bit ironic? Isn't that a little self-contradictory? Well, not so much. If we think about what is it that the Lord does? The Lord will, uh, in his church and eventually, he'll separate the sheep from the goats, right? And do we want to keep the sheep and the goats together? Well, we need to get them apart. So what if these guys start proving to be goats? That's when they have to be removed. So when they're separating sheep from sheep, it's a great error. It's a terrible thing. It's a work of the flesh. But when it is separating the goats out from the sheep, it's a favor to the sheep. It's a help to the sheep. Now, we need to make sure that we divide out the right people or else <coughs> else, we're, <coughs> else we're the one guilty of the sin. But it's those we divide from who cause dissension and they cause hindrance contrary to the doctrine. That's the ones to mark out. Until they do it, we'll assume and we'll uh, uh, give the generous judgment that they're sheep until their fruits prove them otherwise. And so the general rule for us is, again, like Paul told Timothy, I want everybody to pray, lifting up holy hands, hands, basically, it says, without wrath and dissension. So holy hands don't have wrath. We've talked about anger in this list. And here we have dissension, division, anger and division. Uh, these defile us. The, we don't have holy hands if these are upon us. So that was our second one, dissensions. And now the product of dissensions. So first we start to stand apart, and then we end up having lines drawn on those places where one has stood here, gathered a group, and another stood there and gathered a group. And so we have uh, the word uh, heresy in the King James. Tonight, that's one Greek word we'll give you, uh, heresis. And so I always like to give the Greek word when we already know what it means. But it's this Greek word heresis, or in the Old English, heresy. In a more modern English, faction. And it has at the root of it the idea of choosing, of choosing up sides over belief, of being a follower of a particular way of thinking or being of a particular opinion, uh, being of 
a particular group, and that's why we call them factions. And so sometimes uh, we might, in a political sense, use the word faction in a non-negative sense. We might talk about uh, you know a more conservative faction or a more liberal faction, or we might talk about you know uh, uh, the, the the pro or anti-gun factions or various other topics of which there's an identifiable group who's got an identifiable and different position uh, than the other folks. So we might, in, in that sense alone, talk about faction in a neutral sense. But in church, uh, how could we have a neutral faction? Which faction is, well, they have that opinion, but the other guys have the other one. It's not that kind of thing. And so here's a division, a division over beliefs, a division over ways of thinking, and a division over opinions uh, that are chosen. And it's, it's sort of, if um, uh, dissensions is uh, beginning to separate and beginning to take stands and separations one from another, and disputes were the first things that, uh, you know, that's where we, we had a dispute, then we had people standing with one another uh, in various positions. Well, faction faction is sort of the last stage. It's a, a kind of a, a growing division. First, we had a question of which we had different answers. We had a different teaching. Then we had dissensions where people start to stand apart from one another and stand with some others. So by standing with some, we're standing against others. That's the dissension. And then it, we harden. We harden into a division. Uh, we harden into a faction. And so in Acts 5.17, we won't read it, but you'll uh, understand and know the reference. When it talks about the sect of the Pharisees and also the sect of the Sadducees. So those were, uh, those were factions. Uh, those were hereses where people had chosen uh, to be on a side. Uh, you would be with, you'd stand with the Pharisees or you'd stand with the Sadducees. In the book of First Corinthians, this is what Paul was dealing with when he was talking about illustratively, at least, uh, I of Paul, I of Cephas, and I of Christ. And so this kind of sin is, is a terrible thing. Uh, Christ calls all to be one new man in one body, right? Uh, there's, there's one flock and there's one shepherd. There's one family of God. There's, there's one bride of Christ. And so to divide up into these things is a terrible sin. Uh, the warning against false teachers, Second uh, Peter chapter 2. But false teachers will arise among you, just as they arose among the, uh, among the people. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Uh, the heresies, these destructive divisions, these different teachings, and they would even deny the master that bought them. Uh, also, about the philosophies of men from Colossians uh, 2. See to it that no one take you captive through philosophy or empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than of Christ. And so there's divisions, again, uh, religiously based, philosophically based, uh, maybe may about the law and about things that are passed from Titus, shun foolish and, uh, controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they're unprofitable and they're worthless. Reject the factious man after a first and second warning, knowing the man is perverted and sinning and self-condemned. So this is just how bad factions are. A faction should have you removed from the fellowship of the brethren. Reject the factious man. Now, not that there's no process. It's not that there's no patience. It's not that there's no teaching. But a man who persists in being factious after a first warning, 
and a second warning, it appears that step three is removal. How about our factions? If he's factious, he's perverted, he's sinning, he's self-condemned. His factions uh, and his factious behavior is his own obvious and evident condemnation. So that man, that man cannot stay. So we should be united in the grace and truth that are in Jesus Christ. Uh, We should be together and not divided in these ways. So we follow the truth, and we we there's only but one truth, and so uh, if there's division, it can't be on the basis of truth, has to be on the basis of somebody or somebody's, because sometimes both are wrong, has to be somebody's wrong, teaching a disputed thing to the point of causing people to stand one against another and eventually divide over it. But uh, we are supposed to instead, like Ephesians 4 and 15 says, speak the truth in love. Grow in all aspects unto him who's the head, even Christ. Speak the truth in love, and all grow toward Christ. All who are growing toward Christ, they'll, they'll not long be divided from one another. Because the closer they reach to Christ, the closer they'll reach to each other. All right, well, that finishes verse 20. But we don't really change topics at all, because verse 21 continues our, our great list of evil things and worldly and fleshly things here of envying, drunkenness, and carousing. And envying, uh, I don't know who put these chapter, or these verse divisions here, but we're going to put uh, envying at the last here and with the last of our bad interactions and our bad uh, relationships. Envying. Envying is really grief, chagrin, uh, jealousy at somebody else's good that they're blessed, that they do well, that God has done good for them. And you are chagrined that they have that and you don't, or maybe you don't even want it yourself. You're just mad that they got it. And so envying is really kind of a very base emotion. Uh, Jealousy, grief, uh, chagrin that these other folks have what you would want instead. And so we think about uh, envy. Uh, It's one of the reasons directly stated as to why Christ was killed. Christ was killed, Pilate recognized, by envy. Matthew 27, 17 and 18. When therefore they were gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus who's called Christ? For he knew it was because of envy they delivered him up. They were envious of Jesus. And then he sort of, you know, stuck it to them, put them to the test when it came to uh, releasing a prisoner because uh, they would uh, give uh, some prisoner, uh, sort of the prison lottery winner, as it were, that they would give him a pardon at the Passover. They'd find some criminal, some some person of the Jews who was in jail, and they would say, on this date, a, a day of great uh, feasting for you, a day of great spiritual significance, we're going to give mercy to a prisoner. And so we'll, t- we'll take one of the guilty and we're going to just give a pardon just, you know, for society's sake. as an act of goodwill, us Romans towards you Jews. And it appears that Pilate pulled the least sympathetic, the most obnoxious, uh, the, the least deserving, uh, and un- most unsympathetic character that he could possibly find in his jail. And he put him out there beside Jesus and goes, guys, which one do you want? You want this horrible guy? He's a murderer. We all know he's a murderer. There's no doubt about that. 
You want this despicable character or you want this Christ? You want this one? And they took the despicable character intentionally because they hated Jesus more than they hated a murderer, more than they hated one who was actually guilty of heinous crime. And Pilate saw this was of envy. It was envy that they did this. And so what can envy lead you to? Well, it can lead you to murder. And so uh, they didn't have the ability to kill Jesus directly. They killed him through a mock trial and sham charges. They killed him because they charged him with blasphemy. They had the Romans kill him because they, before the Romans, they charged him with uh, sedition uh, and, and uh, uh, not following authority. Of course, as it turns out in this world, who's guilty of blasphemy and who's guilty of not following the law? Well, that's us, not Jesus. But they, they found a guy who actually did the things that they accused Jesus of. But they hated Jesus so much because of their envy of him. And so they envied that which was good, and they envied Jesus' position because he was good and doing the will of God. They hated him because of envy. So there's no limit to where envy can possibly take you. Uh, we think about this, Titus 3, about ourselves. For once we were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. There's a lot of really eloquent summations of the sinfulness of people, sinfulness of man. And this has got to be one of the great ones. And Paul says, this is what we were. We, we don't deny it. This is what we are. As Christians, we, we admit this and are so thankful to God to receive us in grace anyway. Foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to lust and pleasure, being malicious, envious, hateful, and hating each other. And that's exactly what they were to Jesus. And that's what Jesus came to save us from, knowing that we're like this. And so you got to leave that behind now. You can't be a Christ follower and be that kind of foolish, disobedient, and enslaved person, malicious, envious, hateful, and hating. You can't do it. And yet we so often do. We have this proverb that warns us, don't let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. And so, so often we want what sinners have, even though the Lord has saved us from that. We think, oh, well, that, that sinful pleasure, that looks awful nice. That sinful pleasure, that sure would be, that sure would be enticing. That, uh, that is enticing. That sure would be satisfying. That sure would be refreshing. No, the things the Lord gives are refreshing. The things the Lord gives are helpful. The, the thing that the Lord gives are and is continually the things we need. So he tells us, don't, don't envy sinners. And yet we do. Now, there's one more. We had a list of, of uh, here in verses 20 and 21, we had a list of four things in these bad relationships. If we have, and if you use a King James, New King James or some of that family of translations, or about, uh, about one-third of English Bibles. It's not the majority at all, but it is a significant fraction. Uh, they contain one more word in this list, and it's the word murders. And so the word murders doesn't appear in my New American Standard, doesn't appear in the English Standard, doesn't appear in the translations that I use. But in older English translations, and 
chances are most of the time the newer translations all leave it out. Maybe the word textually probably doesn't belong there, but maybe it does. But certainly it's a work of the flesh, and it certainly flows in this this um, line of thought is now murder. Uh, we just mentioned, why was it that they put Christ to death? Envy. And so if we were if we were going to extend the list, and maybe Paul did, and that word got dropped by some translations, or, or maybe uh, people extended the list uh, that Paul didn't, one of the two things happened, and so that's why murders is in some translations and not others. But we have the word here for murder. Uh, again, it's it's uh, not the word for manslaughter. It's the word for uh, murder. The the word uh, when we want to distinguish today, uh, we say the word homicide. This would be the worst outcome of human interaction. The worst end of relationships. So we have the commandment. You shall do no murder. The old King James, thou shall not kill. We know there's different kind of killings. Uh, there are accidental killings. In the book of Numbers, it uh, gave to a person who accidentally killed another person the right to flee to the city of refuge till the case could be adjudicated and he could be uh, free from the avenger of blood who otherwise would have been after him. Uh, we know that uh, God in some cases has ordained that some people have forfeited their life. Those who commit murder, uh, those who shed man's blood by their by the hand of man, their blood be shed. That's uh, Genesis 9. So th- there's capital punishment. Uh, there is also uh, things like killing at war. Uh, David's general Joab, he was condemned because he had shed the blood of war in the time of peace. Joab had killed a lot of people, but there's only one for which he's judicially judged, and that's when he killed like he was at war when he was at, when there was a time of peace. So the, the, the killing of war uh, doesn't seem to be the uh, the idea here. Uh, it doesn't seem to be the idea of self-defense either, uh, where one is uh, kills in order to protect themselves or protect another from uh, bodily harm that uh, might result in death itself. And so uh, murders is here. Uh, the, the, the killing of a person uh, for the reason you don't like them, uh, that, that uh, there's some malice there. Again, it comes right after envy, the reason why uh, they had killed uh, Christ. Uh, we think about this, though. First uh, John 3.15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know, no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And so whether textually or not, murder belongs in the list. Uh, we know philosophically it certainly belongs. In, in a moral and uh, uh, moral and ethical case, murder certainly belongs. And so these bad relationships, these bad interactions, well, that leads us then, or leaves us then, with just two. Uh, it leaves us now with um, uh, the things of uh, drunkenness and carousing. And so next time, the misuse of substances, uh, uh, the, the misuse of these things, uh, in, uh, and how the Christian uh, should avoid these as fleshly and carnal. And then we'll move on to that which the Spirit produces in us, the fruit of the Spirit, the helpful and hopeful list, will get off of these terrible things and into love, joy, and peace 
the things that should be the stock and trade, the regular life and activity of all disciples of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Malvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at malvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.